Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have a family. I cannot do this anymore. The bad guys are out there right now. You go home. You bring them with you. Are you under control? Are you? No. That was a clip from the new movie, The 355, which opened this week. Bill Bergoli saw it. Hey, Bill Bergoli. Hey, Neil. I saw The 355. You sure did. Uh, I'm Neil Rosen, as Bill Bergoli just addressed me as, hey, Neil. Also here, as usual, with Bill McCuddy. Hello there, Bill McCuddy. Hey, I talked to Jessica Chastain, but I didn't see The 355. Sorry, Jessica. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about The 355. Coda, um, a great documentary I saw called The Automat. Uh, a lot of people died. A lot of famous people died. <laughs> we'll talk. I'm laughing. It's not funny. I don't tough know, week. Went, but it's been a tough week and for that. And uh, a whole bunch of other entertainment news and a whole bunch of other movies on <sighs> sitting around talking movies. The podcast uh, that's that that is hosted by the three of us and brought to you by the Accutron Show, another podcast that one of the three hosts is our own very Bill, our own Bill McCuddy. And the Accutron watch is more than just a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. And let's have some conversation. Bill Bergoli, tell us about the 355. Okay. It stars Jessica Chastain as a CIA agent. And she's sent on the trail of a MacGuffin. It's, uh, as you probably heard in the trailers, it's a doomsday device that can start a war just from the click of a uh, laptop. So she's after that. She runs afoul of somebody from the German um, Secret Service or whatever, they, the German intelligence force, uh, played by uh, Diane Kruger. And eventually, Penelope Cruz joins the mix and Lupita Nyong'o. And they're all from different countries and different marketing tech and uh, different marketing uh, areas of the world if you're uh, wanting to sell a movie. And also Fan Bing Bing is in it to get that big Chinese money. And uh, they all chase around various guys and people trying to get this device. And if you think it's like Charlie's Angels because it's all women and all being secret agents, you'd be wrong. This is very straightforward. There's nothing really funny about it. One or two little jokes. Uh, Jessica Chastain wanted a serious woman part, and that's what she got. And now it's a dull kind of movie. Every cliche you can think of in an action movie is in this movie. I should have just kept count. You know that cliche where the good guys and the bad guys all jump into a room together and point their guns at each other and say, put your guns down. And everybody's staring at everybody else with a gun in their face. 
Oh, like in a circle? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of in a circle. They're all, they're all pointing at each other. That happened. Triangle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a whole, in this case, uh, in this, this time there were a whole group of people and that happens three different times in this movie. And there's also in a, diff- in a different way each time that makes it clever or just no, three times. No, just three times. Uh, at one point, they're uh, interrogating a guy, and Jessica Chastain says, "We can do it the easy way, or we can do it the hard way." <laughs> and he chooses the hard way, and she shoots him in the knee. Oh, my gosh. So this, every you can how, think how of is Pel- I saw the trailer, and yeah. they're not really highlighting Penelope Cruz. Is she in this movie? Oh, she's definitely in it. No, she's she's a psychologist. She's not a secret agent, but she's a psychologist. But she she gets more than like ten minutes of screen time. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, she's in it plenty. Don't worry, she's in just as much. And And Lapita Lapita Nyong'o is in it. Yeah, the only one. Diane Kruger and Fan Bing Bing. Again, oh right, that Chinese money, and she run a as you may remember last year ran afoul of the Chinese government uh, because they accused her of uh, dodging her taxes and kind of disappeared for a little while, Uh, and she lost to a Chinese distributor. So I don't know where the or even well, as I as I revealed it as I revealed at the top, I had the pleasure of speaking to Jessica. She is also, as you said, one of the producers. And what you didn't mention is that 355 was, as she told me, I didn't know this either, was the identity code name for the very first female spy during the American Revolution. And uh, they mentioned that at the very tail end of the movie. So if you're wondering, you have to wait till the end of the movie to find that information out. Yeah. And and she said these days, women working in law enforcement or or who are spies or any kind of activity like that are called 355. Um, And she she also said that she wanted to do this because it was girl power. And maybe that's why she took it too seriously. Um, And she wanted to make a film where actresses weren't just for hire, but had each other's backs and right. had ownership over their work. And all of that sounds great until you make a lousy movie. Yeah, or at least a dull one. I mean, the, the yeah, action scenes. Yeah, I shouldn't say this because uh, I should have seen it, but uh, I didn't lie to Jessica anyway. I didn't tell her I had seen it. So <laughs> right. I think uh, with her uh, kind permission, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass this. Would you categorize this? If this sounds to me like a mashup between um whichever the oceans movie was that had the whole female cast not nearly as much fun oceans eight that was meets meets the uh that tv series i think it was canceled with christina Hendricks and um bad girls yeah or the girls or so yeah no no there's nothing there's nothing fun about this there's no yeah no okay So, so neil are you in or out well, last question, and then I will. Ask oh God! Oh my it, God! It's it's. Would you predominantly call it just like an act, straight up action movie? Yep. Or is not there's no like, you know, I the Condor, CIA kind of uh, th- th- three days of the Condor rather uh, the CIA. What? No, it's not no, like 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 smart CIA kind of stuff. Nothing smart. I'm out. No one to see uh, it. Yeah, okay. don't bother. All right. So here's a movie that good follow up question though. <laughs> that that's very funny um really uh, sincerely that was funny um okay so here's a movie that bill brigoli and i both did see and i highly recommend 
that my audience, that the audience listening to this sees this as well as Bill McCuddy, you should really see this. And you have to see this because we're going to be doing it on the next episode of Talking Pickers <laughs> with Neil Rose on the television show. But it's called CODA, all in uppercase, C-O-D-A, which stands for Children of Deaf Adults. What is this movie about? Well, there's this girl and she's in high school and um, she has a brother and a, you know, and two parents, and the three of them are deaf. She is the only member of the household that is not deaf. The family lives in Gloucester, Massachusetts, and they make their money on, they have a fishing boat and they fish. But a lot of the weight of the business falls on this girl's shoulders because she's the only one that could speak. So she can talk to the Coast Guard if, if they pull over and when they try to sell the fish to, you know, um, the the dock master. Yeah, right. When they come in with their catch for the day and stuff like that. So in addition to being in high school and having to navigate all the problems that come with being a teenager in high school, she has to all the way to the family business or a lot of it is, is on her shoulders. So she's like up at five, four thirty five in the morning when they when the boat goes out and then she has to go to high school. And then she has to come back when the boat comes in and sometimes she's on the boat. And, and sometimes she goes to school smelling like fish. Right. And they make fun of her. She's bullied at school because she smells like fish sometimes. And also we, she says that when she was a young kid, she they used to make fun of her because she talked like a deaf person, because, um, you know, even though she speaks normally now, but that's how she was raised. So that's how she thought people spoke. Um, it turns out that she her passion in life is singing, but she doesn't really know that she has talent. So she joins the school choir. And it turns out that not only does she have talent, she's like an incredible singer. She's like on the level of like Whitney Houston, Barbara Streisand. She's got like this amazing voice. And the teacher, I don't know the actor who plays him, but he's Eugenio Derbez. He's great. And he's like this, uh, I won't say like warm and fuzzy, like Mr. Holland's opus. He's like, uh, he's kind of like a prick, but he kind of takes her under his wing and he's like, you got talent and you want a scholarship? I'm, I'm going to come after school every day and I'm going to help you. And, you know, you should go to music school. You know, of course, the parents can't appreciate this because when they parents are told that, you know, you, your daughter has talent, she's a singer. Um, they don't understand that, you know, they can't hear her sing. They're like, yeah, well, big deal. She's got to help us run the fishing business. It's very good. And um, isn't one of these parents, uh, Marley Matlin? Yep. Marley Matlin. Is yeah. One Troy Kotzer plays her husband and Daniel Durant plays the brother. And Amelia Jones is the young lady in question. Well, he's going to get nominated for best and, uh, supporting actor and well-deserved, I think. You well, know I, I guess, I, I guess to play the role of Neil, I will ask a lot of annoying questions now. So yeah, yes, uh, yes, the I first one than... that's most important to me is like Marley is the rest of the cast deaf. Yes, they are. So okay. actually, this is a remake of a French film, and they were criticized because two of the actors they cast were actually hearing. But uh, these people knew better than to, to make that mistake. So, yes, the other two people, uh, the others in the film are deaf. Amelia Jones, who's British, by the way, the young lady. And Amelia the Jones is a mate. She's the one who plays Ruby, the, the, the star. The, the star right. The, and she, the, she took the, singing the, lessons and signing language, uh, sign 
AASL, American Sign Language lessons for like six months before she started the film. And they really did shoot it in beautiful Gloucester, Massachusetts, where I've been several times. And uh, they still fish out of there. Not, not, not as many as this film would have you believe, but there's still some fishing out of there. Well, she's amazing. The movie is just terrific. Uh, there's, another, there's another subplot about they want um, the music teacher pairs her with this guy who she kind of has a crush on right? Um, to sing a duet, which they need for the big show that they're going to put on the choir. And um, the song that the teacher picks for them is You're All I Need. The uh, I think it's an Ashford and Simpson song, but it was sung by Marvin Gaye at Tammy Terrell back in the Motown days. But it's a, it, it, and there's a whole thing that goes on between the two of them. And it's not like, oh, there's a whole romance. There's a whole problem that goes on. <laughs> but it's really, I, I can't speak highly enough. Well, I, I know that I, I know you can't. And if we keep letting you, you're just going to keep saying that. So I'm going to stop you and say, yeah, I want to see this. It's, I'm sure you have three more things to say before we move no, on. I'm done. But I, I don't want to give say, anything else away. You have know, uh, really, have really, your daughter really, watch it with you too, Bill. I'm really late to this because it's been on Apple for something like three months, I think. Yeah, it's on Apple. But TV that's stuff. really, a, uh, and to pivot to, how everything on Apple is flying way under the radar this award season. Uh, this is a film that I am very late to, even though the three of us have access to everything on Apple TV. I just don't watch it. So I will watch Coda tonight or tomorrow night with the family, and I will do the Neil Rosen patented catch up next week. Uh, I won't bore everybody too long, so it won't be quite the no <laughs> way. But I'll just say I've seen it. And you guys are right or you're wrong. Okay. Hey, you know what I caught up with? What? You caught up with something? Oh, no. And now it's time for Neil Catches Up. Eventually. Right now in the snack bar. I love this. <laughs> so last last week, you guys were talking about the lost daughter with Olivia Coleman, and um, you guys asked me, "So you're gonna see it?" You know, and I'm like, uh, "Well, I got to see it again because we're doing it on the next episode of." Yeah, TV. I think everyone uh, listening knows how catching up works. But but um, but I gotta tell you, this I I did not I did not dig this film at all. I mean, this was just really i don't i don't even understand like i'm not going to give away the ending of this movie but i gotta tell you something her this character's motivation and what she does at the end of this movie i'll just say it involves a doll at the end of the movie is like what the what the fuck i mean like what what are you doing you know I what i mean like the, more about i don't think it's about the doll per se but about <laughs> the way she treated her own kids but i i look i we we both had reservations last week i wouldn't say they were raves uh i think that i think maggie gyllenhaal i said last week and i'll say it again wrote a better film than she directed although she directed olivia coleman well and i think uh she's gonna not the new lee grant would anybody know who that is i mean i think she's gonna be an actress like elizabeth thanks who writes and directs a lot of material um that's probably true, but uh, this movie was all over the place. I mean, Dakota Johnson's character was, you know, I mean, I get it, but it, the real problem for me was Olivia Coleman's character. There's a lot of flashbacks, as you guys mentioned last week, and but they don't fully explain how messed up this woman is, and 
really what her motivations were. And I don't know. And, and she, the whole, this That's resort, the flashbacks this, were. this resort in Greece, she's really nasty in the beginning to these people. They want her spot so the whole family could sit together. And she's like, no. And then all of a sudden they, they want to be like her best friend. And I was that a, was that a cat skills flashback for you? <laughs> yes and they would get back to the my concord and uh yeah or grossinger's days uh no i i i didn't like the movie i was very bored my wife was very bored um i at, at one point i said to my wife do you want to you know I, I gotta watch this you can leave she goes no i want to see what happens and then at the end something happens and it's really like really that's i i don't know this is one olivia coleman seems to me to be like an oh she's a good actress but it seems to me that like Oscar voters and awards givers just seem to be clamoring over like, oh, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman. You know, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the work that she's in, not necessarily her talent as an actress. But, you know, she's, you know, I don't know. Everybody made a big fuss when she was in the dementia Anthony Hopkins movie, the title of which escapes me. Um, the father. The father. Yeah, she's in, she, she won was, an Academy Award for the favorite. For the favorite. The favorite. She was good. But, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't like The Lost Daughter. So there's my catching up on The Lost Daughter. All right. Well, I, I, will admit that, I will admit that it's not all on the page. You have to do a little thinking. And that back, all of the backstory was explaining why she was the way she was now. But I mean, I still don't think it's a top 10 movie of the year. So I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying uh, maybe there's a little more to it than you're saying. Well, do you know what are you thinking there's more to it? Or do you actually did you think did you? Well, I, I don't think. OK, so I understand what you're saying about we're not told specifically about what happened between she and her daughters, except that they're estranged and she ignored them. And she did leave uh, and left her kids with the husband for an extended period of time and then came back. I mean, that was all pretty straightforward. Okay, And I'm not uh, giving anything away because this is right in the beginning of the movie. It still doesn't explain why she she's on vacation and a kid lost her beloved doll, why she would like steal the doll and hide the doll. And then her actions from that point on regarding the doll. I, I don't understand it other than the woman is just like something is really psychologically she's messed up. You know what I mean? But it's still okay. she's, you know, I don't know. What do you think, Rigoli? You, yeah, you, you, you know. <laughs> no, there's a lot to it. Uh, if you go on slate.com, they actually have uh a little column where they ex try to explain the ending though the ending in the book it's based on and in the movie are, are kind of different uh they're both kind of open-ended unusual endings where you're not sure if she's uh with us or not let's put it that way oh, jesus you mean with us mentally no physically no you mean she might be a dead character? The, 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 yeah. Well, okay. So if we're going to go down this road anyway, I mean, she collapses on a beach at the beginning. So there are some people that believe, and I think the uh, book oh. maybe said she was dead the whole time. Well, that's even more. Um, that, that's even more ambiguous in the movie. If that's it, let's do one more before we do a commercial. Okay. <laughs> I saw an incredible documentary. I love this thing. It's called The Automat. What is it about? It's about the automat. And it opens in February, um, but I'm going to talk about it now. And I'll probably talk about it again when it opens. But I'm so excited about this thing. Probably. Jeez, um, in New York based? It's um, okay. <laughs> so the Automat. I remember, okay, I don't know if you guys remember the Automat. New York but, based, it's in his block, probably. 
Okay, well, it probably is. I saw one once in the seventies when we took a field trip from Boston to New York. Well, the there were two. The automat, which they say provided the food for ten percent of the country in its heyday, okay, was only in two cities. It was in Philadelphia. There were a, it started in Philadelphia. There were a bunch of automats in Philadelphia, and they were all over New York. And um, the automat, the la- the one that I went to, which was in existence, like closed, like in the eighties, was on the corner of Forty Second Street and Third Avenue. It was on the southeast corner of Forty Second Street and Third Avenue. And I went in there and. It's the history of the automat. Mel Brooks is very prominent in this documentary. He talks about how he loved the automat, and Carl Reiner is in there, and he talks about their their. Okay, this is this is starting to explain why this is such a great movie to Neil Rose. Everybody yeah. is in this thing. There's there's dozens of famous. As long people. as they're from New York and Jewish, they're in there, and they're, and they're talking about. No, they're not necessarily Jewish. They're talking about how much. I remember the, the the chocolate pudding pie. It was the greatest thing I ever had in my life. And then, you know, somebody else is talking about the coffee. They lost money, apparently, the automatic on the coffee. It was a nickel and it came. The whole These places were like they were done in Art Deco. It was a whole world that just couldn't exist today. And it was very um, in in time in the time in this country with race relations, with, there was segregation. The, the automat was not was not was very integrated it was a very democratic thing and there weren't homeless people like just kind of like squatting there it was everybody came in and sat in, it was it was if, if well you no know why it wasn't racist because they it didn't have uh waitresses or waiters you no, walked up it, and bought your own food it was all nickels some dishes were like needed three nickels and some needed two two nickels and some needed one nickel and you know, and there was a lady there. You gave him a do- you gave her a dollar. Mel Brooks says, "I still to this on this day don't understand it." She would put her hand in a big, big, big bucket of nickels and wouldn't look down, and she would take her hand out, and there'd be twenty nickels in it. And it wasn't like it was a trick. It was like she just knew the way to the nickels. And every time on the on the on the nose, it's it's great. It just talks about a world gone by and an america that does not exist anymore well where, where can well, we see this if we're drunk one night well it's going to open up at the film forum in early february and i will remind oh, you oh i have to go to a theater to see it i think it'll be streaming somewhere as well i mean it's at the film forum but i'm sure it'll be like on demand or one of the services one of the streaming services will pick it up but man it's funny it's interesting the the arc my friend lorraine deal bill deal of colleague yeah. of ours his wife um, is in the documentary. She wrote a book on the automat. She's prominently featured in this thing. And um, I smell lots, kickback. Is she paying of, you in nickels? No, <laughs> lots of famous people. In addition to Mel Brooks and Carl Ronnie. Oh, oh my God, there's so and so. All right. No, and not Jewish. Just like talking about how he loved the meatloaf. How the meatloaf. Right, was calm crazy. down. Calm okay. down. But it's also, it's not just the. It's it's. It was an innovative, crazy idea that this this hornet. Boy, was- speaking of integrate, innovative and crazy ideas, boy, what a great, great segue you just created. And I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> you think it's about to talk. We're, we've got to mention our sponsor. Go for it. The Accutron watch was an innovative uh, thing back in the 60s when it was first released. And uh, we now on something called the Accutron Show, another podcast, celebrate how things in the 60s have influenced things uh, these days. 
uh, held over this week, uh, the, the fabulous uh, Katie Couric talks about the Me Too culture, talks about how we could all just be a little more graceful to one another and maybe there wouldn't be a cancel culture. Talks about Larry King and does a really funny Larry King impression. Uh, he took her back to uh, his apartment in D.C. Um, and all the other, Neil Simon, all the other people that uh, she's gone out with uh, after her husband passed away. Uh, so this is all part of a, of uh, her memoir called Going There, which got a little uh, grief when it first came out. But it turns out that in context, reading the whole thing, and as she explains, she wasn't at all surprised uh, that, uh, you know, everything was misquoted. She uh, talks candidly about her whole life. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please tune in to the Accutron show this week, which is now also available on YouTube. You can actually see uh, the lovely Katie Couric uh, talking to the three of us, Bill McCuddy, myself, Scott Alexander, and uh, David Graver from Cool Hunting. It's the Accutron show all about uh, famous people and the watches they wear, some of which happen to be Accutrons, which are not just a timepiece, they're a conversation piece. And now back to three other guys who have a podcast. All right, Bill Bergoli. Um, I watched half of Jockey. You watched the whole movie. I did not watch half of it because I did not like it. I watched half of it because I got tired and I'm going to watch the other half. So Talk about Jockey, and they're talking about, I mean, I, I did recognize in the first half of the movie that the, the star of the movie gives a phenomenal performance, and why don't you just take it away? Okay, yeah, he's Clifton Collins Jr. He's a very familiar face. You probably don't know him by name, but he was in Capote. He was in Traffic. He was in one of the Star Trek movies. He's been around, believe me, and his father in was Capote, an he was the he was one of the, the, the co-stars. No, he was the guy that was convicted, one of the guys oh, that convicts, was convicted. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Molly Parker's in it as well. He's an aging jockey and he's been injured a lot. And if you talk to I've actually met some jockeys and those guys get banged up and that's what's happened to him. Uh, He has hopes for maybe reviving his career, but he's told you got to hang it up. Uh, He's got a nice relationship with a horse trainer named Molly uh, played by Molly Parker. The two of them have been um, not romantically together, but they've been working together for years. She knows him rather well. And one day, uh, a promising young rider shows up. He's played by a guy named Moises Arias. And he claims to be Daddy. Uh, he <laughs> claims to be his son. Um, Daddy. Uh, it's a quiet <laughs> film. It's There's not a lot of horse racing in it. There's not a whole lot of horses in it. There are some. Um, but it's more about the men who ride them. Uh, there's a great scene in a locker room where all the jockeys are talking about their injuries. And you can tell that these guys are real jockeys and they're talking about things that really happened to them. Um, so there are a lot of non-actors in it, but they do a good job. It's again, it's a quiet film. Uh, there isn't a big, uh, not a big ending, Neil. I know you haven't seen the end of it, but uh, it's kind of a nice ending. But it's not like he wins the big. Well, is he little game. enough to really uh, bend a jockey? And, yeah, they. Uh, those guys all weigh like ninety-five pounds. Don't yeah, they? there's a lot of scenes where he's trying to lose weight because he says his character is overweight, and they and do he's do not this. Sure. He's not a small, right? He's not a really he... tiny guy, but they are, uh, and they mention this in the film. The trend now is to still be light, but somewhat taller jockeys, so they can kind of see over the horse. So the jockeys have gotten slightly taller over the years. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I met a jockey. I interviewed a jockey for a documentary about jockeys a few years ago. And I remember uh, meeting the guy in the, in the lobby and he, he looked like a baseball player. These guys are really fit. And you don't think immediately, oh, wow, he's short. But 
really wiry, like like little they're like little shortstops. Huh. Well, you know the um, again, I, and I will watch the second. My my link yeah. expires actually tomorrow. I've, so I've, I've heard enough to. I, I my link expires tomorrow as well. I'm gonna definitely. Uh, I'm gonna definitely watch it. You talked me into it. Okay. Well, cool. Let me yeah. Ask, there's a jump there um, in the movie, and again, I, I do need to see the second half, which I will probably do later this evening. But yeah. Um, when is when the kid approaches him in the first scene that you see them together, they're right. like in a, in a coffee shop diner kind of should thing. I, should I be listening to this or not? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah that's it's cool. Very, I'm also very, speaking very, for everyone listening who hasn't is, seen it. This <laughs> is very very early on in the movie. Um, I wanted to, you know, the guy goes, you know, you, you keep following sense. me around. What's you keep following me around? What's going on? And he's like, uh, you're my father. And the guy is like, I don't want anything to do with you. That's impossible. I'm not going to get into the details. And he kind of storms out. This is very early on in the movie. And then also kind of early on in the movie, all of a sudden, he's training the kid to be like uh, a jockey. So did I miss something here? Because I was getting tired about how he decides I want nothing. Yeah, all of a sudden, he decides to be nice because he was told, don't be a jerk. Right. by Uh, The the trainer, Molly Parker's character says, don't be a jerk. Yeah. So I'm to understand that this, that this podcast is about catching Neil up to when he's fallen asleep during the early portions of movie. <laughs> That's why I exist. That deserves its own theme song. That's, and we that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is the beauty of this podcast. It's like eavesdropping and just for three, you. I'm three people, three friends just having a conversation. You just, you just, you know, we're going to go to the movie. So I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a shout out to, um, when I used to work at New York one, my friend, the meteorologist, uh, chief meteorologist, John David, Ah, I listen to your podcast every week because it's just like spending an hour with you. You know, it's just like, (laughs) it's just, it's just like, you just, Guys, you, just, you were in the weather room with me, just talking to me, you know without I mean? having to actually be in the room with you. That's the advantage. You have the ability to fast forward <laughs> through you. Yes. Turn it off. Absolutely. Speaking about catching up with stuff, about a couple of weeks ago, I told you that there was a movie called um, Meet John Doe, which is a Frank Capra movie that I wanted to see for forty-one years. I finally caught up with. Well. Um, over the weekend on Turner Classic Movies. And I got to tell you, Turner Classic Movies, you know, we, we always talk about uh, Criterion Channel and how great that is. Turner Classic Movies, what an amazing channel. I mean, no commercials, great movies, and great commentary, some of which right. is by Ben Mankiewicz before and after the film. Well, there was a, a very famous Rita Hayworth movie that I've seen bits and pieces of over the years. I know it's killed and i know you know put the blame on mame i've seen that scene over the god knows how many decades I've seen. by the way congratulations <laughs> on discovering turner classic movies which is only no, been around no no no, no it's been on for years i'm just saying we've never given it really a shout out and if we <laughs> okay. have i don't remember but the the thing is i never watched gilda from start to finish i've only seen like scenes and last night we were recording this now on a sunday night on saturday night it was on turner classic movies and i watched the whole thing from start to finish and I got to tell you, as in the words of my wife, my God, is Rita Hayworth gorgeous. But not only that, it's just Glenn Ford. And I, it's just like a great film noir. It's just a lot of fun. Well, Famous this character. discussion of Turner Classic Movies, uh, brilliantly, again, the way you set us up, dovetails into the sadness that happened this week and all the famous uh, folks that died. Yes, a lot of famous people died. A lot of it, including uh, a few hours before we did this pop- podcast, 
not a movie guy, a comic, but um, I think he probably cropped up in a movie or two is Bob Saget. I just, we just got that news a couple of, couple of hours Five ago. And, and yeah, but, uh, but the great Sidney Poitier, obviously. Sidney Poitier the just the, is the best. And what, what yeah, Bill Bergoli, your oh. favorite Sidney Poitier film. What's his best film? Quick. They go. call me Mr. Tibbs. Really not. Yeah, that's not, what I said. That's, not, uh, not, not in the heat of because the Call Me Mr. Tibbs was the sequel to In Heat in the Heat of the Night. You'd go. Yeah. Me I go. I go to the. Yeah. Okay, that's not my. Uh, I would. I would have to say In the Heat of the Night, but I, you know, I respect Bill's. Uh, well, my pick is the it, Defiant ones with Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. I love that film. I think. That okay. But look to Sir with Love. <laughs> really good remember seeing that as a kid he didn't do he didn't do a lot of junkets did you guys interview nope, him never never interviewed Sidney Poitier. and very active in the in in civil rights very very active in that you know but you know uh was it lilies of the field uh i mean the guy's been the guy's got lilies the field is what he won the oscar for right uh you know i i, I have to coming to dinner which is uh, you know i don't right. know Kind of dated if you watch that today. Kind of it was dated, dated when it came out. No, it was not. You got to watch it in the context of when it came. No, out. no, I nah. it was but, still. Yeah, was and a good-looking guy. My God, I mean, you know, you, if you've looked at any of the obits, I mean, when this guy was younger, what, what a, what a good, what a. Well, I had guy. the uh, I had the uh, pleasure of meeting him at a party at Sardi's that Pierre Cosette threw every year for the uh, Super Bowl. And uh, it was right after uh, the movie and well, the play had been out for a while, but the movie version of um, Six Degrees of Separation came out. And, uh, you know, we were talking and I said, you know, your son stayed with me over the summer. At least he said he was your son. And there was a moment of he didn't get it. And then he and everybody else like laughed out loud. And I was like, I was walking on air for a week. That was my only, I'm sure I have to also talk to him on red carpets, but, uh, but that was the time when I got to spend some time with him. And this was like an A-list party that uh, this producer, Pierre Cosette, uh, who did the Olympics and did other stuff, did every year at Sardis. And uh, he was just a gentleman. He just was uh, and I think the word thing. you're looking for is class. This guy had just an enormous yeah, I hate that word, class. but he did. Yeah. He really did. We lost. Really we did. lost another buddy of mine, Peter Bogdanovich. Buddy, Sidney Poitier was not a buddy. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, who I was, you know, kind of phone friendly with for years, uh, and does a great that I've already talked about on this podcast um, with Ben Bankowitz, who you gave a plug to a moment ago. Podcast um, that was just finished like several months ago. Uh, he was 82, so he lived a good full life and had been broke and been rich and been great and been called an asshole and uh, was sort of, you know, had lived through his girlfriend being murdered uh, and then a movie being made about it. Uh, Peter and Bogdan then he was in The Sopranos towards the and end of his was career. an actor, too, in The Sopranos. That's right. And, you know, who else died was Dwayne Hickman. Uh, remember Dobie Gillis? Yes. Oh, he was he was actually an extra in uh, Mice and Men, in case you were wondering. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and he was also the little boy with green hair or something. Some. Oh, famous. really? Yeah. Yeah. He was a child actor, and then he was. I'll tell you when I met him. He was in charge of late night development at CBS, and he lived in Danny Kaye's old apartment, or he didn't live in it. His office was 
on top of uh, CBS, they had turned Danny Kaye's apartment, which was the penthouse, into offices. And uh, I met him there in like the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. A buddy of mine uh, by the name of Tom Rombouts was working at CBS. And he said, you, you, did you ever watch Dobie Gillis? And I said, yeah. He goes, Dwayne Hickman's the nicest guy in the world. Want to meet him? And we just walked into his office. And really? he couldn't have been more... Wow. I, couldn't have been nicer. It was a totally great afternoon. And Dick Carson died. Do you know who Dick Carson is? Johnny Carson's brother. Next. That's correct. And he directed the Tonight Show. Oh, he directed it. Yeah. Many, yeah, yeah. Plus many. He directed Merv Griffin for like ten years. Like, yeah. I mean, an ex- unbelievable like forty-three year career in television, directing all these programs. So, um, yeah, he was Johnny's. Johnny was one of three brothers, and that was he was the youngest brother, Dick Carson. And you could actually go to YouTube and see Dick Carson as a guest on Johnny Carson. <laughs> it's, these, uh, but, it's, but, it's, but, if, but that is weird wild. That starts out weird, becomes wild, and goes all the way back to weird again. Hey, right, listen, so, uh, this has been great. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. Uh, and I know you do because every week we do this, I seem to gain a few more people. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm also on uh, Instagram at McCutty Bill. That's correct. And uh, and what does McCuddy Bill do every week on this show? Um, I listen endlessly to you uh, and not enough to Bill Bregoli, um, who got to talk a lot last week. And all of my friends said, there's a third guy on that show. And, <laughs> and That's said, right. And, and he's said, single. He good. And they said, yes, yes uh, we listen to the bad movies. We listen to we watch the bad movies so you don't have to. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Neil Rosen Apples, where you can get a link to the television show Talking Pictures with Neil Rosen, which Bill McCuddy is on. And it's a really good episode that's up there. It really is. I don't say that about all, this is a, we're going, the next one that we're doing because of the pandemic, we're back on Zoom, which we're taping, which we're recording, not this week coming up, but the following week. But this is in the studio and it's quite good. So the link is up on uh Neil Rosen apples on Twitter, or you can go to Instagram and just put in talking pictures with Neil Rosen and, and click on the bio thing and watch the latest episode or go to YouTube and put in talking pictures with Neil Rosen and it, and put in Lady Gaga. Cause we talk about house of Gucci and that episode will come up and I'm highly recommend the episode. You can reach Bill Bregoli at Bill Bregoli on Instagram. And, um, and that's yeah. all folks. And that's, yeah. As in, the, in the words of Porky pig, uh, uh, that's all folks. We're, Thanks for sitting around talking movies with us, and we will sit around talking movies again with you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.